Hi, this is Steve and Brenda Wonky, and we recognize that a story that you're about to watch is a hard story to watch. And so we wanted to just share a couple of things with you about that. We are very excited to share our story this morning about how God redeemed our marriage um, from addiction and abuse. Our experiences were um, not very pretty and they're hard to watch, so just know that up front. And please understand that our story is unique. God doesn't do it the same in everyone's life. So um, be prepared for God's redemption in your life and it's probably gonna be a much different outcome. And we also wanna say that um, we are not advocating at all that anyone stay in an abusive situation. In fact, we would want you to seek help. We would want you to get out of that situation especially if it's a situation where you are not safe. And so there are many resources that we have as a church. And so reach out to someone, reach out to us, let us know how we can help, but don't stay in a situation that's harmful. No. Sharing our experience is um, very important. And we'd like to talk about the hard things because we have experienced God's redemption in, um, firsthand. And our prayer is that you will be encouraged by our story and that you would find hope, courage, and freedom in Christ much as the same way that we have. God bless you, and thank you for watching. Steve and Brenda Wonky, let's welcome them. Oh, thanks. Good morning. I'm Steve. Good morning. I'm Brenda. So when, when uh, Mike Stanley shared his testimony, Mike shared his testimony, Cheryl shared her testimony and Mike and Cheryl had let's let's be honest their pictures were pretty dorky but I'm I'm here to tell you that you haven't seen anything yet <laughs> so how about the first slide oh Grace so Sarah's been hinting throwing hints my way about uh doing this and I've kind of was waiting for her to ask. And I think she was kind of waiting for me to say that I was ready. Yeah, go back to the first one, the, yeah. And so when we started to get um, information, Facebook and, and emails and so forth, we're in this season about how far God's love goes. And I'm thinking, I know how far God's love goes. It goes all the way to the bottom of the barrel and that's where he found me. And so when I read this, I said, okay, I'm ready now. Anyway, okay, next slide. So you, this is my favorite scripture in the Bible, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I have traditionally shared this scripture at the end of, of a story like this when I've run out of time and never really was able to do it justice. To me, this sums up the entire gospel and the entire power of God through the Holy Spirit to come and change a person's life. I can't get away from this scripture, no matter how hard I try, and I don't really try. So the only way I can, I can kind of describe what happened to me is after I gave my heart to the Lord and walked away from a multi-year um, heavy drug addiction, it was like I was transported 
not to a different land, but to a different time. And I saw everything differently than how I saw it before. It was like there was a cloud of darkness over me in everything that I did, and that cloud was gone, and then I could see. Okay, um, I, okay, I warned you about this one. <laughs> Be prepared to wipe your tears after you see this, because you're going to laugh. There we go. Hey, baby, yeah. So San Diego, 10th grade uh, with the green shirt, the night before boot camp was on with the white shirt. And so graduated from high school. You can see, if you look in my eyes, they're hard to see, there is no life in either picture. There's none. And so, um, so three years from this date, we were married and, and had our first baby already. Um, but what I came to the table with, and this is, this is what I didn't understand. I don't know if I was purposely avoiding looking at this in my own life, or if the Holy Spirit finally highlighted this for me. Um, growing up, there was nothing for me but darkness and evil. There was no encouragement. There was no thinking about aspirations. I had none. I had zero aspirations for my life. I didn't even know that I could have them. And so my idea of going through life was whatever the next thing is that comes, I guess that's what you do. That was the extent of my existence. My soul was black. It was like a chalkboard with not one mark on it. There just was nothing there. And that's how I was raised. That's how I believed. And that's how I was living. So Next slide, your turn. What a babe. What a babe. It sounds like he's defending himself, doesn't it? <laughs> okay, so my past was, we're dysfunction at the max here. Um, at the time I met Steve, my mother was in Europe on her sixth marriage. And so I was like, I'm not going to tell my mother I'm getting married. I'm just going to go get married. So we did, and it was really not a good start, obviously. We, we were engaged five whole days. <laughs> yeah, met each other, got engaged. All right, so um, I was saved like in sixth grade every Sunday. I'd go down to the altar and get saved. You know, I just didn't feel saved. And the pastor finally said, honey, you're saved. It's okay. You don't have to come down here every week. And then I rededicated my life when I was 19, got baptized in a river, and then slowly kind of got distracted and walked away. And that's when I met this guy. So um, do I need to just start talking about our marriage? No. Oh. No. So um, go to the next slide, Grace. Please. We're kind of doing a timeline here. So 1979 in our marriage photo at the Justice of the Peace in Vancouver, Washington. And speaking of Vancouver, Washington, I have my friend Chris watching from a hospital bed in Vancouver. Hey, Chris, how you doing? I pray that the Lord gets you out of that bed and sends you home in Jesus' name. And then on the right, uh, about a year later, 1980, that's Jamie that is now 41 and a half or whatever. And so I was in the Coast Guard here. And um, so after the picture on 
the right. We just wanted to make sure that was the same as this one. That's really when our life kind of started to spiral. So I was a pot smoker. She knew that. Um, the Coast Guard taught me how to drink beer. And so I drank a lot of beer and, and um, you know, we were functioning. We were good. Um, life, was, life was pretty good up until about year two. So year two, year two through eight is when life really kind of um, turned to hell for us. And so my fault, uh, I had some friends who were in the cocaine business. And so I started participating a little bit in cocaine and it was a Friday night thing. And then a few weeks later, it was a Friday night and a Saturday night thing. And pretty soon after that, it was an every night thing. And then after that, it was an eight ball of cocaine every day. And for you thankful people that don't know what an eight ball is, that's about three and a half grams of cocaine, which is a super a lot amount to be doing in one day. Um, and so it's amazing that I'm still um, on this planet as a result of the abuse that I, that I did to myself. Um, but here's the thing where things really started to turn bad for Brenda. I mean, there's probably a reason in the Bible why it says not to be yoked together with unbelievers in a marriage. Well, Brenda was a believer. I was not. And she paid for year three through eight um, fairly heavy. And so um, I think I'm, I'm finally willing to admit out loud that my difficulty with living with a believer was is that she would become really excited and have joy and something that the Holy Spirit might have been doing in her life when she would clean the house and turn the vacuum clean on. She would put praise music on and she was dancing all over the place and singing. And I didn't like that. The Imperials. Yeah, it was. So I recognized that this relationship she had with Jesus did not include me. I was not happy about that. I, di I didn't know how to think about that. And so I decided, not intentionally at every moment, I decided that I was going to ruin that for her every chance that I could get. And so every time that she would get happy, I would interrupt it um, with, with anger or abuse or breaking stuff in the house or breaking pictures that were dear to her. One time I took off sad. One time I took off my wedding ring and I smashed it with the heel of my boot and I threw it at her. And I said, I'm, I'm, I'm like done. This, this is crazy. And so she would go to church. And when she was gone, I'd throw some of her stuff in the fireplace. I don't think I burned one of her Bibles, but I think I burned everything else but that. Tried to roll a joint with, with a Bible paper one time and that didn't work. I thought it was a cool idea. I couldn't get it to stick. So it was like God was saying, I don't think so. Anyway. Okay. So what does a good Christian girl do when she's put in the fire? She gets a Jesus People Pocket Promise book. It's all categorized anytime you need help. I mean, seriously, I lived and breathed with this thing. And if I was having a bad day, I'd look up you know, the category on bad days. And God's promises are right there for me. So um, the pages are brown. Oh, it is tattered. And I had to dig this out of a crate, folks. And everything is underlined and everything is checked. It was so important to me. 
Anyway, um, I just wanted to read a couple of things that um, I have decisions to make. Will God guide me and give me purpose? You think? Do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. That was just one of them, one of the million. Um, life is very confusing. Will God help me see clearly? You know, if anybody lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. Da, 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 da. Anyway, I depended on this book and I had a couple girlfriends that we would do Bible study and they were in similar situations as, as myself. And so we would Bible study and get built up and go back into the fire. And I don't, is my um, scripture next, do you think? Oh, in, in a minute, yeah. Okay. So um, I was just, first off, this has been very difficult. I don't know if y'all have a past that you can go back to and going through pictures and, and everything. I think it's, it's been very good because you really appreciate God and you remember how far he brought you and what he did to get you to where you are today. But um, it was very difficult remembering all of the, the negative. And trying to find the pictures because there wasn't, <laughs> our cell phones didn't have pictures back then or we didn't have cell phones. And so we're going through Pictures. boxes of pictures trying to yeah. find appropriate ones but so. coupled with that on the other side of that it's been so awesome remembering what god did this is where i think i'm gonna need to clean up because he was so faithful i would go to bed every night for almost eight years crying knowing that i would wake up in the morning with new mercies it was like i knew that i knew that i knew and i just depended on it i and I was thinking the other day, like, God says he bottles all of our tears. I think I have one of those big water containers that, you know, they use here, the LDS people use, full of my tears. I, I'm not kidding. I cried so much. But remembering every morning that his mercies were new got me through. And I would take the kids to church. I would, I would do anything spiritual in the house. So, um, Nobody suffered, you know, the yeah. spiritual part of our, our life. Because I was a jerk. But, um, so do you want So one afternoon, about the time that my, my cocaine abuse was ramped up pretty good to about an eight ball a day, um, we, our garage was attached to where we lived, but um, there was no door from the house. So you had to go outside and open up the big door to get in. And I had stashed in there about $350 worth of cocaine. And that was going to be my fun for the night. And um, I turned around and Brenda walked through the front door and she said, I found your stash in the garage. And I was overcome with, with such a level of rage because I knew she would have just went onto the garage floor and that was not okay. And so I, I went after her and I really thought for $350 worth of cocaine that I was going to trade her life for that. And so I approached her and I could feel the anger and rage in me like I had never experienced in my life. And I reached out my hands and put them around her neck and she pointed her little bony finger at me and she said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And I told the story here before, 
and all my anger was gone. I was blown away because I know now that God did that for her, not for me. He just started laughing and he walked upstairs. He goes, oh, you and your God. Yep. It was just like dissipated immediately. It was so cool. I was like, wow, there is power in re yeah, rebuking. Li life, <laughs> life, life was hell because of um, the way I was living mine. And so I was not there for my little kids. I, I did not hold them and help them through the difficult times because I had a relationship with cocaine, not with my own children. It was really sad. And so we were fighting every day and the fights were getting bad. And then I had the opportunity to relocate to Fresno for a job change. And so I honestly thought this, this is great. We get down there, I get a new chance. Maybe I can get away from this habit that I have and I can move Brenda away from all of these crazy people that she went to church with. And so she went to church at the time uh, it was Beaverton Foursquare Church, and this place blew up in city blocks in a couple of years. The guy was fantastic. The pastor's name was Ron Mill. He was an author. Great, great guy. Anyway, so we moved down there, and I'm thinking, all right, now we have a chance of a life because I have all these lunatics that go to church, not around where we are. Two weeks after we moved there, her sister calls and said, you'll never believe this. The piano player at our church just moved to the same town as you, and he's starting a church, and he's going to be the pastor. And I just went, oh, God, help. I didn't say that. I was like, not again. And so it escalated. There was the, the, the fight was on between light and darkness, and, and um, it had gotten bad. And um, Brenda was going to church, and of course, I was staying home, and she was taking the kids, and I was, I was mad about all of this. I was angry and rageful about all of this. And so one day she was going to go to church and I purposely did not, you, some of you have heard this little piece of story. I intentionally left the gas tank empty. We had one vehicle. I mean, it was, it was sucking air and she put the kids in it and she went to church and I told myself, eh, yeah, she's not going to make it back home. That's what she gets. And God had the last word. And so she comes pulling up in the driveway about two hours later. And I just looked at her and I said, how did you get here? Tell them what happened. Well, when the offering plate was going around in church, the pastor said, I don't know why, but I feel like the Lord is saying somebody needs to take out of the offering instead of putting in. And I was like, oh, that's so me. And so when it came by, I took out five bucks and I went and put put it in the gas tank, <laughs> made it home. Five bucks in a Bronco did not go very far, but we made it home. Yeah, it was pretty good. It was like, okay, God won, Steve zero. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And so, yeah, yeah, it was, it was heating up. Um, and so I, I met some people that were, that had actually set up um, crystal meth labs around the outskirts of Fresno. And if anybody has had a relationship with somebody who's a crystal meth addict, it is far worse than somebody who is a cocaine addict. Um, I basically lost my mind. I lost who I was. Um, I would stay up for days on end, snorting crystal meth, not eating, but drinking. 
And three or four, seven days later, after all of this, when I'm coming down on the other side, I was not a safe guy to be around. I was very violent and I was abusive. Um, and it was, it was not good. And so, um, you're up. So along with my magic bullet, I was, um, I couldn't take my hands off of him. When I married him, the Lord, I had some, some sense of love for him that wasn't really healthy. I mean, obviously we were, you know, our love wasn't God's love, but, um, I couldn't take my hands off of him. I would cry myself to sleep and I was just so fearful for his, his salvation. And, um, the Lord gave me a vision and it was so crystal clear and I may cry on this one too, but, um, in the dream, we were in an airplane and, um, the airplane was at a dock floating and the, all the water was on fire and the dock was almost burning up. And there were quite a few planes. It was like they crashed and they were all on fire and people were screaming and, and just fearful. And um, I was looking around. I, I think we didn't have Jessica at the time. We had just Jamie and Jason. And the Lord said, put them on the deck and go and share my hope with people. You have to turn around, let Steve go and go share my hope with people. And I was like, no, I can't let go. I can't let go of him. And, and he's like, you have to do it. And so the next thing I knew, I was looking at the dock, which was all on fire and the kids were just hovering there on the dock and scared. And, and then I looked down and Steve was on the floor, just fearful, just like a movie, you know? And God said, go, let go of him and go tell people that I am their hope. And so I let him go. I turned away and I went to the rest of the plane and I was telling people, you don't have to be fearful. You know, you, you know, Jesus, Jesus. And anyway, um, and then I thought the thought like, where's Steve? And I couldn't find him anywhere. And I looked out at the dock and Jesus was standing there and he had his hands out and Steve was kneeling. And he said specifically, I will not stop drawing him until the end of time or the end of his life. And from that day on, I was able to let go. I was able to let go and let God, if you want to say that. And um, it was hard because I felt like I was being chastised. You know, I felt like something was being taken away from me and I had no more control of it, you know, so it was really, really hard. But, um, but I learned in time, you know, to get my hands off of him because God was very capable. <laughs> so... Um, and then shortly after that, no, not shortly after that, it was a few years that I had to let God do his thing. Um, my pastor said, I think you probably need a vacation because it was getting really bad. And so I felt like that was my cue because I think I waited a little too long and I would encourage anybody, don't wait. I think maybe that vision was a time that I should have left, but I didn't, I, I waited until I pretty much had a nervous breakdown and, um, it was, it was definitely too late. And it was, it was when he, in the entryway of our home, beat up, a iron, um, toolbox. He was so raged and anger and he beat it up and it was unrecognizable. And I just thought, okay, that's going to be me and the kids next. So my sisters came and rescued me with a big blue van and took me to Oregon, me and the kids. And 
for three months, I was built back up and got healthy again. And um, he was saved at this point. You want to? No, yeah, not yet. I wasn't. No. So, next slide, Grace, please. This is this is one of yours. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They're new every morning. That's what I was talking about. His mercies are new every morning. And then I wanted to read that other one. Yeah. So just just to make just to make this point, um, when you find yourself in the fire, you will find God there with you. Yeah. And God, God was sustaining Brenda. And all of that did was make oh. me more mad. And this was a scripture I stood on. I don't know if I fully understood it, if I was taking it out of context or whatever, but if a woman has a husband who is not a believer and he, and he is willing to live with her, she must not divorce him for the unbelieving husband has been sanctified through his wife. And then it talks about the kids as well. Your kids are sanctified. And I was like, I am not leaving him, un you know, alone and unprotected. I am going to stay. And um, I was thinking the other day, my mom has been married seven times. She was on her sixth when we got married. Um, I never once like was in this competition thing, like I'm going to stay married because my mom was divorced so many times. I that never once occurred to me. This is what kept me going is this, this scripture. I wanted our home to be sanctified and I knew it wasn't me. I knew it was God, but anyway, I couldn't leave him. So what I found out in this process um, was that Brenda's grandmother, oh, yeah. um, she had a real difficulty with me. Can you imagine that? Um, she did not like the fact that one of her grandbabies was married to me, you know, and basically a dopehead. And what I found out later after she passed away is that she turned my name into every television evangelist that had a prayer number every radio evangelist that had she yeah. spent years oral roberts my name in, yeah. all of them not just a couple all of them she would call me and she'd say okay brenda i got his name on oral roberts now and i'm like thank you grandma everyone and i would i have known bruce and joanne and Kay. Before he got saved, I remember when my sister, they were all involved in my sister and her husband's business and stuff. I would say, okay, I got an unsaved spouse. Would you please pray for him? So I have known these guys for years before he got saved. Isn't that strange? And we're going to the same church as all these people. <laughs> so, so this next little story is a little humorous. So um, I came home from work the day that her sisters came and rescued her. And I walked in the house. And there's like a mattress gone and there's like a microwave gone and there's some pictures off the wall. And I'm thinking, what? And then I looked around and I found a note on the bed from Brenda and said, hey, I'm taking a break. I'm out. My sisters came and got me. If you want to talk to anybody, here's the pastor of the church I go to and his phone number. And so I did what every husband would do in that situation. I called the highway patrol and tried to have her arrested for kidnapping the kids. <laughs> I did. I was mad, man. I was mad. I didn't see this coming. And so they basically just patted me on the top of the head and sent me away. So they were whoever I, whoever I got on the phone was smart enough to recognize what was going on. And so um, my first reaction after that was, 
man, I'm going to party tonight and I'm not going to have anybody to stop me, to get in my face and argue with me and fight with me. And so I, I can't tell you what I did, but for the next day and a half, I pounded everything I could get my hands on. And um, that was about a day and a half right after she left. And then, and then the misery began to set in after that, like, I've just lost my kids and I've just lost my wife who I now believe God sent to me as an angel. I do. I wasn't going to make it. Brenda showed up and loved me where no one has ever loved me before. I need a halo. Yeah. (laughs) And I was, I was captivated by it. I was blown away by it. Couldn't understand it anyway. So misery began to sit in. And um, I was pretty well convinced that life is now over for me. There's nowhere to go forward. And so the thought occurred to me of ending my life, which I was probably moments away from doing. And um, the Holy Spirit shows up in my bedroom, man. And I mean, all the glory and the power that you've seen on the movies shows up in my bedroom and I am face down on the carpet. And he said audible words to me, there is another way, and you know what it is. And I started to bawl, man. I cried. I don't think I shed a tear since I was five years old. And I cried, and I cried, and I cried. And I got off the floor about 45 minutes later, and I I called her pastor, and I said, I think I gave my life to Jesus last night. I'm not sure what to do next. I had no clue. He goes, well, we have prayer here on Saturday mornings, so at six o'clock. So um, if you're serious, you show up here six o'clock on Saturday morning. So that's what I did. I was like a lost little sheep that didn't know what to do next. So I showed up for prayer. And yeah, so so right, right before I finished that piece of the story, my friend Chris is laying in a hospital bed after having some surgery. I think he had an old black Toyota Camry and his license plate said this capital LV, the number four capital G S U S live for Jesus. And I'm following this guy around town. I don't know if we had the same kind of a work route or something. And I'd follow this guy to the freeway and I'd see him driving around town And this would be about a, I want to say about a year and a half. And I thought, what is wrong with this dude? I said, what kind of cast off from society would put live for Jesus on their license plate and drive around for people to read that? And every time I saw him, I would invent new cuss words, man. I just did not like this guy. I thought he was a complete idiot, a cast off of society. Somebody with no common sense who would drive around with that kind of message on their license plate. So anyway, so I go to, I go to prayer at the church and, and they're praying for deliverance for me from my drug addiction. And I mean, I just, my head's down. I've grown my hair back long again by this point after getting out of the Coast Guard. And man, I'm, I'm a mess. I'm just bawling again. I'm like, I'm thinking, I hope this doesn't become a habit. I haven't cried all these years, and now I'm crying all over the place. And I'm crying all over my lap, and they finish praying for me. And I look up, and right in front of me is Chris. 
and Chris is crying too, and I'm crying, and we have been best friends ever since then. We don't keep in touch as often as I would like to or as often as he would like to, um, but we became best friends after that, and after our prayer time was over, I walked outside the doors of the church, and what do you think I saw? A black Camry with a Live for Jesus license plate who was owned by my new friend, Chris. I mean, God had a hook in my jaw all these years. And it was, it was one, one kind of a crazy ride. But delivered from an abuse overnight. I, I never went back um, and, and messed with drugs. I thought about it one time because the people I used to party with lived right across the street from us. I went over there one time and I just sat in there and I'm looking at all these people and the Holy Spirit said to me, you don't belong here anymore. So I got up and left and I never went back, but I never had a longing um, for any drugs after that. I, I, I don't think I ever smoked pot after that. Um, no cocaine, no crystal meth. And just like I walked away and I wanted everything. <clears throat> Sorry. I, I wanted everything that this new relationship that I just gained had for me. Man, if the church doors were open, I was there. If they were gathered at somebody's house, I was there. And I was willing to do whatever it took to have a lifestyle that was different than the one I left. And little did I know, I was so changed. Um, I mean, seven days after I gave my heart to the Lord in my bedroom that night, I realized that I had just not spent all the time and money that I could get a hold of to go out and find new drugs. I was like seven days, the first time in how many years? It was like, wow, I'm not the same guy anymore. Okay, my turn. At this point, I was not a happy camper. I really didn't care for him at all. And I could have cared less. He got saved. I was like, done. I'm like, so you think you're saved, you know? So then he buys a package of cards and he starts sending me cards. And I'm like, and I'm not a letter writer or a card. Sender. And I'm like, I'm just going to throw them away. Anyway, I was needless to say, I was a little bitter once I got my self-esteem back going and, you know, cared about taking a bath or whatever you, you need to care about. Um, and slowly but surely, uh, and I would pray, I was still close to the Lord in my sin. And I would just pray and say, you know what? Our love, when we met, stunk. It was lustful. It was fearful. It was doomed it from was, the start. <laughs> it was doomed from the start. And so if you want me to go back to him, you're going to have to reshape my love. You're going to have to reform it, make it new, make it different, you know? And it didn't come and it didn't come. I still didn't care for him. And um, no, actually, I hated him. And I did tell him that. And that's what really freed me because I was bound for so many years hiding it and being a Christian. You're not supposed to hate. But when, when I told him I hated him, I was so free. It was like a, a anvil was lifted off of my shoulders. But anyway, slowly but surely, and mind you, we were only apart for three months. 
he did just that. He transformed my love for him. And I just started thinking about him and caring about him again and, um, and doing it with the love of God. And sending me cards now. And yeah, and then I turned around and started sending cards. But he transformed my love, you guys. I mean, a whole different love a whole different package. You know, I threw mine away and got his and picked his up. And I don't know how to explain it other than I could walk back into that situation and, and trust the Jesus in him. It was like, this guy is not the same guy. He is totally transformed. And he, and God doesn't do for everyone what he did for us. We are definitely thankful um, to totally free him, no rehab, no programs, nothing. He just totally freed him. And so anyway, um, so while she was living with, um, her twin sister, Julie up in Shoals, Oregon, where I met Aaron and Jay Rudd when they were little running <laughs> through the cornfields out there long before I was saved. Um, I spent uh, no, no cell phones back then. Right. So I spent like money that we did not have on a phone, arguing with Brenda with scripture of why she needed to come back. So right now, now I have, now I'm the resource for what's right in the world. So I'm, I'm arguing with her why she needs to be back here. And this is what the Lord says, blah, blah, blah. And she says, I mean, <laughs> and, and I was, I was digging such a hole. I was striving <laughs> and doing all of this work, and I was pushing her further away. And I, I had real difficulty with this for some time. And I finally got to the place with the Holy Spirit. I felt like the Holy Spirit showed up one, one day to me, one Sunday night after I came home from church when I was by myself. And he said, okay, you have tried everything in your power to get her back. Why don't you let me do that? And I said, okay. I took my hands off. And, and that, that was done. I just, I just quit all of that. I mean, anyway, horrible. Next slide, Grace, please. So this is after salvation. Next slide, Grace. There we go. So those are our kids. Uh, I want to say they were probably seven, six, and three, when I gave my heart to the Lord, Jamie actually gave her heart to the Lord a year before I did, which is, which was great. Um, Brenda was always joyful. I mean, I know you heard her story, but I watched her joy and all it did was make me mad for many, many years. It doesn't make me mad anymore. I love the fact that she is joyful. Okay. So next, next slide. Well, okay, that wasn't the one, but okay, we'll go with this one. So that was our 25th wedding anniversary. We're in Hawaii. That was a luau girl in the middle. Everybody who left had to take a picture with one of the luau girls. And so, um, yeah, next slide. Okay, no, you, we missed one. Go back up one more. Oh, must be gone from your slide deck. Okay, let me read it. This is the one. So then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. 
but whoever loses their life for me will find it. And this was very fitting for me coming from where I came out of. I was dead. What else did I have? I had nothing. I had this. And so this gave me plan and this gave me purpose. Lord, I can take up my cross and follow you and deny myself after all the years I have lived being selfish and doing everything for just me. I can follow you. I can live by the spirit and not gratify the desires of the flesh. And I can be made whole in the process. And so we did that together. And so there were, there were times where, um, I mean, there was some work for us to do, right? When we got back together, yep, you want to tell them about that time? You wanted to ask me some questions? Oh, yeah. There was a lot of work. Anyway, the Lord um, told me one night, not that I thought I was really suffering from it, but when you're so dysfunctional, you don't know what's really right or wrong. And um, flashbacks, um, thinking of hard times, like things he would do to me that were not nice. Abuses. Abuses, whatever. And he said, you need to go to Steve and tell him of the incident. And then he needs to say, I'm sorry. And you need to say back, I forgive you. And it was a three-step thing. I had to do this. And he started revealing things to me. The Lord specifically would reveal instances. And that was hard as well. I just had such a hard time, you guys. Anyway, I would go and tell him, what about this? And he'd try and deny it. I didn't do that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you did. And so he would say, I'm sorry. And I would say, I forgive you. Like 15 of them or something. There were quite a few. And after that day, I never once thought about them. I was never hurt by them. It was like they were wiped from my heart. They were wiped from my mind. And... um but it was a specific thing we had to do. We did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Guys, we're, we're best friends today. We, we can, we'd rather hang out with each other than anybody else we know. It's great that when we get to hang out with other people together, but um, I, be, I believe that God sent Brenda to me. The circumstances should have been different. Yes, I don't believe he wanted us to walk the path that we walked, specifically my path. But I believe that God sent Brenda to me, and as a result of that, I'm sitting here today. I honestly don't believe that I would be alive if it was not for God intervening into my life with her. I knew nothing about this stuff. When I got saved, I had to ask the pastor, what is this John 3.16 sign that they hang on the football stadiums? I said, I have no clue. I didn't know anything about anything. And so God is faithful. Um, he is. Go ahead. I do want to say one thing, because I tell women that are really struggling in their marriages. If you do not make Jesus your best friend, you will not make it. And I specifically tell them that because when you've tried everything else and you've tried it your way, literally, he is the only way out. And I think a lot through these last few years, I miss my first love. Even though it was fire and it was horribly hard, I miss my first love with my Jesus. He was everything to me. You reminded me at that Bible study one night, and he just says, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And I'm like, yes, I ate him. I breathed him. I did everything with Jesus. He was everything to me. And I just tell people, seriously, you will not make it without him. Amen. 
Okay, last scripture there, Grace. So um, we have been stolen from. My kids have been stolen from. Brenda's been stolen from. I have been stolen from. Um, my childhood wasn't terrific. Um, and a lot of things happened throughout all of the years where I was just, I was just taken from. And that's, that's the way that it is. When I ran across the scripture and the Lord planted it in my heart that I will repay you for the years that the locusts have eaten, the great locusts, the young locusts, the other locusts, and the locust swarm, my great army that I sent among you, I felt like the Holy Spirit was telling me, Steve, I am going to give you back everything that was taken from you, and I'm going to give you back more than you can possibly imagine. And God has done that. I mean, the fact that we're sitting here is, is proof of that. I mean, she, she hated me. And for a time, I was okay with that. And we're best friends today. We don't have baggage. I would encourage any young people who might be online listening who are thinking about getting married. Man, let go of the baggage before you get into a marriage relationship. Do whatever it takes. Don't do what we did. It's... It, and yeah, so hallelujah. God is awesome, guys. God is awesome. Mm -hmm. okay, that's it. Thank you guys so much for sharing your story with us. I just want to reiterate if, um, if you find yourself in a situation that is abusive like that or that intense, please reach out for help. We have resources and people we can connect you with. I love how Brenda was talking about um, her church community that was praying with her, supporting her, encouraging her. Um, if you find yourself in a place like that, we want to help you. And even in Steve's situation with his friend, Chris, um, we want to help you no matter where you're at in your story. And we want to connect you with resources even beyond ours that can help you be safe and get to places of healing and wholeness. So also, though, uh, I've been, you know, thinking about the Christmas story and Mary's prayer and Mary's song and that interaction with the angel Gabriel. And uh, the angel comes to her and says, you have found favor with God. You will give birth to a son, the son of God, the most high. And then what is Mary's response? She says, how can this be? How, how can this be? And I think when we hear their story of reconciliation and we think of places in our lives that are really broken or we're really frustrated about or that haven't been redeemed yet, and God gives us promises in, in, in Brenda's little book and we say, how can this be? Then the, this is what the angel says. It says, um, the Holy Spirit will come on you. So that's our first promise. The Holy Spirit is here to help us with this. And then the angel says, what's more? Your cousin Elizabeth has become pregnant. People, who used, people used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son. For the word of God will never fail. And so today we've heard of promises and we might say, how can this be? And we've heard a testimony, what was ruined, what was destroyed by God's promises was reconciled and redeemed. 
And so it's the same for us. What has been stolen can be redeemed. And so I just want to leave you with that hope, with that joy. And then um, we'd love to help you as well. And we're going to finish with a song today. If you would like prayer, please, you can join us at the prayer table over there. Or if you're online, you can reach out with a phone call. But we're going to finish and close today with a song about the love of God that can go to any place to seek and save. So why don't you all stand with me and we'll close with that. Thank you. You gave up a throne for a manger, traded a crown for a cross, laid down your life for a stranger, and all for who? broken and lost you came down from the heavens so we would know how deep how high how long and how wide and how far love goes you went to the darkest of places, walk down the loneliest roads. You looked into us empty faces and told us we're never alone. So you To call me your own Down from the heavens So we would know How deep, how high How long and how wide And how far love